I'm Mike Levin. I'm running for Congress against Daryl Issa, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Thank you for joining us and welcome to episode 391 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and seated across from me, the lovely, the talented, the on-time co-host, Brittany Page. (laughs) On time. I am always on time. (laughs) How dare you? It's going to try to get through this today. Yeah, you're starting to get sick again. I don't know what's going on. I feel very stuffy, mm-hmm. very nasal-tastic mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Nasal-tastic? It's probably the rain. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. It started yesterday. Okay. Where I, I keep, like, like uh, when you get off a plane and you plug your nose and kind of blow to, to equalize the pressure or whatever, mm-hmm. I have to, I'm constantly doing that. Yeah. It's a problem. A lot of good information I'm giving. Yeah. Well, hopefully you feel better in time for Saturday because oh, yeah. that is the March for Our Lives event. And we have heard for, from some listeners that are going to marches in their cities. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the main one that's happening in Washington, D.C., there will be one in L.A. that we are attending. I think there's also one in Long Beach, oh, which really? is closer, but... I think we're still going to the L.A. We are going to go to the Los Angeles one. And there are many um, speakers that are going to be there. Yeah, There's like a I didn't know this until, you know, Donald Trump was elected. And then there were like regular occurrences of marches and protests. But Pershing Square in downtown L.A., Apparently, that's the the kind of the hub, the gathering spot for these types of events. Yeah. And then there's a march. Mm-hmm. I think to City Hall is where what it is. Yes. And then I believe once everyone gets there, that's where the stage will be. And then there's going to be speakers yeah, and yeah. performers and Amy Schumer, Olivia Wilde, um, Hassan Piker are going to be some of the speakers, apparently, hmm. on stage. So... That's what happens when you go to the march in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There are celebrities. Yeah. So I'm going to bring a camera, microphone. Maybe we'll talk to some people, um, have something to put on the YouTubes. Uh, It'll be a good time. Yeah. And, you know, it's an important uh, it is an important thing to do to get your voice on the record, to show up, to be a body. Um to let government elected officials know uh, this is a serious thing. Yeah. If millions of people take to the streets, it's not just uh, a wasted effort, mm-hmm. a wasted Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I'm excited to see the the photos and the videos that come out of it. I think it's always powerful when these marches happen and just seeing the video of the, yeah. the numbers of people that come out for these things. It's very powerful and it's hard to ignore. Uh, someone like Donald Trump who tries to go and tweet and act like <laughs> the marches are for something other than what right, they're for. Right, right. Um, he, he, he's getting the message and, and he will get this message as well. 
Especially since he watches so much goddamn TV. Yeah, I mean, he can try to tweet and act like <laughs> he's not getting it, but he gets it. Okay? <laughs> he, he gets it. It's good. <laughs> so that is happening. Uh, we did the call-in episode, and I think it went well. Did we already talk about it? I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, we I'm did. kind of... We already talked about it. We don't need to talk about it All ever right. again. I will shut my <laughs> yammer. There we go. Yapper. Yes. <laughs> I will stop yammering with my yapper. Yeah, but while we're on the topic of, well, whatever that is, um, we are doing the <laughs> live stream for everybody on Sunday at 4 p.m. Los Angeles time. We're going to start doing it a little earlier. Yes, because we we did have some complaints about it, um, how late it was, obviously, for the people on the East Coast. And so we decided we'll change it to 4 p.m. Los Angeles time for a while and see how that goes. And if that's better for people, then great. Well, some of the decision making that goes into the timing is just we've always kind of done the show late. Right. You know, back when we weren't broadcasting it on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And so we just kind of continued to do that. But I I like four better. I mean, I wouldn't even mind like a noon or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's then there's other shit I'm able to do. Yeah. <laughs> the whole day isn't right. done. Right. So but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Before we move on, let's get to a voicemail or two. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Ben from Seattle. Uh, So there's an interesting story in the news, and it's the first time I've ever said anything might be interesting about American Idol, but it's about American Idol. Specifically, it's about Katy Perry. Maybe you guys have heard about this, where she apparently tricked a 19-year-old boy who had never kissed a girl into, into kissing her on the mouth when he thought he was going to be kissing her on the cheek and he later said that he was uncomfortable about it, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And it's probably really not that big of a deal. Um, but I was watching a, a segment on another news channel, uh, news and commentary channel that was talking about it. And they were basically coming down to the conclusion of what's really the big deal about this. Uh, yes, if the script, w- script was flipped and it was a man kissing a girl, it would be a much bigger issue and but there hasn't been centuries of a or in in this case millennia of a power dynamic where women women haven't been oppressing men for millennia whereas you know the harvey weinsteins and donald trump's of the world on the other hand have um the the issue that i have with this is it's not really a false equivalency to say you can flip the script and then, and I'm coming at this from the point of view of an abuse survivor. Uh, in my case, the person who sexually abused me was a man. But the um, the fact of the matter is, there, there's a regular script that people see, do seem to follow, where if it was a if there was a teenage boy who is uh, in a relationship with his female teacher, somebody who is in a, is in a position of power over him, uh, there are a few people that say, well, he was lucky, you know. And there are some people that believe that boys cannot be abused by women. Obviously, he was 19 years old, so he was an adult male. I don't think it's that huge of a deal, but I do wonder what you guys think about this news story. So, uh <laughs> I'll take your answer off the air. 
Uh, love the show. Love both of you guys. And I couldn't pick a best part. Later. So I loved that. <laughs> I loved listening to it the first time that I listened to it and this time because it followed the exact trajectory of our original conversation conversation that we had (laughs) about it, where we kind of went through all of these different issues as well. Um, And if you haven't seen the video clip, I recommend that you go watch it because that was part of the problem is we, we started talking about it and I had an opinion about it. And then I watched the video and I got more kind of, more more information that that informed what I thought about it. I well, don't know why let's I'm talk about such how a difficult that conversa- time. Let's talk about how that conversation went. Yeah. So you told me about it. Neither one of us having... I didn't even know about it, so I certainly hadn't seen it. And I was... We processed. We talked about it a little bit. Then we got to like his age. But initially I was kind of like, oh, big. who fucking cares? He's a... He's a man. He's not a boy. Mm-hmm. He's a 19-year-old man. Mm-hmm. And I still think that him talking about it is more of an attention-seeking measure than it is um, really being bothered that Katy Perry put her lips on his lips. Mm-hmm. Because it was during the audition. Yeah. And he announces he's never, oh, in my first I've never been kissed. And she's like, What? And then, well, come here, I'll kiss you. And then he, so he he walks up to the desk mm-hmm. rather than, oh, no, thanks. No. I don't think she said, come here, I'll kiss you. She's just like, come over here. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he turns his cheek to her and she kisses it, but mm-hmm. it was like they didn't make contact or something. He, there wasn't a kiss noise. That that's right. Made. That's right. There was mm-hmm. some, some reason why he, there needed to be a second try. Mm-hmm. He puts the cheek back or she puts her cheek out, I think. Yeah. And then... Right when he's going in for the cheek kiss, she turns her face right. and it's on the lips. Yes. And it's, oh, ha, 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 funny, funny, funny. The hosts make their jokes about how your first kiss was Katy Perry. Yeah. And, uh, huh. Yeah. But the underlying issue, <laughs> but the underlying issue really is if the script was flipped. That I mean, really, that is... Yes. And you brought up, you kind of brought me back around that way. Right. Because let's say that Simon Cowell did this sure. to, and I, know, I realize he's not on that show anymore, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> uh, let's say that he did that to a 19-year-old woman. That would not be something that people are laughing about. Yeah. Um, Lionel Richie, who is on the show now, uh, is defending Katy Perry, saying it was just fun. No one would say that about Simon Cowell. And I think that the caller, Ben, made a good point when he said that people have this weird perspective about women doing things to boys or men like it's it's more acceptable and you see that like he like he said with the teachers and people say oh no you're lucky to be getting banged by your adult teacher well that is that is though that's wrong because there right. is a py- power dynamic there right that can't be argued that also it's illegal for, for a for a for a teacher to have sex with a student even if the student is an adult of adult age mm-hmm so I don't think that exists here, though, with the Katy Perry thing. I mean, that's also if 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 a man were to do it, and it would really again, it would also depend on context and how it went down. But there's there's more of a creepy element to an older man. I I, I, I know you're making a face, but if Simon Cowell, so you're in your mind, if Simon Cowell, the exact same thing went down, mm-hmm. 
and it was Simon Cowell and a 19-year-old girl, mm-hmm. um, that wouldn't be creepier than what went down with Katy Perry, uh, given the same circumstances. I... I don't I don't think it's fair to make that judgment. No, I don't think that that's fair. I think it's still a situation but where But in your mind just naturally well, uh, thinking about it. Well, I I don't think that's a good thing though. Oh, okay. okay. So someone naturally draws that conclusion. I don't think that's a good thing. Mm. I think it requires some critical thinking, maybe some unlearning and relearning mm. about how we're supposed to look at these situations. And I'm not I'm not saying that this guy that's is That's a good point. That's I, a good point. I'm not saying he's a trauma victim. I'm not saying he you know, Katy Perry needs to be charged with something here that yeah, she yeah. assaulted him. Uh, I, I think he is doing these interviews and saying, I didn't want this to happen. I mean, I don't know what he wants to happen, but I, I don't think that he is trying to say, I'm a victim of a trauma here. I just think he's saying, I he didn't. He was saving himself for his first kiss with Jesus, is what the deal was. Yeah, that he didn't want that to happen. He wanted his first kiss to be special on his wedding day and <laughs> i day. i that's totally fine and, and oh that is absurd you know great for him good luck and, with that dude you're, and, you're gonna have a great sex life just locking into finding a partner that just so happens to be compatible with you you fucking ding dong so uh <laughs> sorry i'm going off the rails but yeah i i think it is I think it is an interesting situation because it is causing us, again, to have these conversations and kind of reevaluate, are there different rules for adult men and women when they behave with with other people? And I don't think that there should be different rules. I think we should all be held to the same standard. We we don't need to be kissing anyone against their will. We, well, you know what I mean? against like- <laughs> their will is, I think, uh, dramatic departure from what was reality well even when and that's what i'm saying when i watched the video he was more playful in the moment than i thought he would be given what he was saying after it happened yeah, like there was no alarm registered on his face well i mean he said katie you know really like playfully yeah. oh katie what did you do uh, <laughs> you know um Cooties! yeah <laughs> Um, but I don't think I got John Mayer penis on my cheek. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's still a problem, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a dilemma. It is. You're ultimately, you're right. I mean, you are <laughs> that we need to unlearn and relearn things, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it just, I can't help but think about the fact that. For the entire existence of Homo sapiens, mm-hmm. men have been um, protectors and killers and violent and takers of what they want, and that hasn't been the case for women. So there, I think there is some kind of evolu- you know, biological evolutionary thing that at play here. That when people think about it, it's that a woman. It, right or wrong, but a woman isn't necessarily a threat, where a man is absolutely a threat. Mm-hmm. The world over, 99% of rapes, 99.9% of rapes are men raping. Yeah, but that's also, I mean, it's just not true that women are not predators. I, that is not what I said. I said the, the lion's share of predators 
Right. The but, vast majority. Yeah, so I, I don't understand how that translates into letting women off the hook. It, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It. I'm saying that it, it do, it's going to take some learning and unlearning, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a process because we have 250,000 years of a track record to t- try to work against here. We're finally getting to a place where we are you know, higher level thinkers and can process our way out of our biology or our evolution. Yeah, I don't understand why it seems like we're arguing. I'm not arguing. I'm saying you're right, ultimately. Yeah, I understand that it's going to take time. The issue is, is that it's just going to take time for people to come around and not have this knee-jerk reaction and say, ha-ha, you know, a teacher yeah. banging her student is like funny and cute and she's hot. So it's fine. And she can't be a predator. What a lucky kid. Yeah. Or ha ha. Katy Perry is kissing someone who doesn't want to be kissed. Ha ha. Um, but then men do that. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know? No, I, I yeah. Like um, I said, I, I in my brain, I think you're right. But it it, it is it's. It's it's like physical cognitive dissonance for me because I just viscerally mm-hmm. think the other way. Mm-hmm. But when I think about it, when I actually, you know, take the time out of my day to use my brain, which is very little time. I don't want to disillusion anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to be under mis- any misapprehension about it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I do think the way you're thinking, the way you're talking right now. So, but I also want to say, like Ben, the caller, ultimately said, right, he kind of went through all this, too. And then he came around and just said, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that that's kind of where I land. But that's also because of what the 19-year-old is saying. He's not saying, I'm a victim of a trauma. Yeah, yeah. I, for sure. Something was taken away from me, and this is very serious, and everyone needs to take this very seriously, and she needs to be fired. He's... He's saying, listen, I didn't really want that to happen. I wanted to save my kiss for whatever I want to save it for. And um, <laughs> and I didn't get to do that and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So if he were making a big deal out of it, that might, I mean, we would have to wrestle a little bit more with this and try to figure out how we feel. But um, I think that's wise. We don't want to run away with the Internet's insanity. Yeah. And, and really, like, put something on this that's not there. Right. Yeah, and and like you were saying, that's a great point. This doesn't mean that Katy Perry is like a predator, right? No, she's I, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, <laughs> she is. It's this is ridiculous. She's just she should be drummed out of Hollywood. She is. <laughs> my my friend texted me and said that he was watching clips of her on American Idol and that she was being a little extra. And this is like a new kid phrase that people a little use. Extra, yeah, about how you're like acting too. It's just too much. You're just being too much. I, I like that. Yeah. She's being, it's like you with too much customer service. Yeah, she's just. You're giving way too much customer. That's a, that's too much customer service. Yeah, so he, <laughs> he's, he said she's being too extra. And I think that that was just, <laughs> I love how old I sound right now. I'm like, this is what the kids are saying. Get off um, my lawn. <laughs> uh, but I think that's true, that she was just trying to be entertaining and trying to show off for the cameras, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, trying well, to make the, a moment of it. That's the other element we didn't even get into that we talked about during our conversation, that th- this is entertainment. And like even when actors are acting and they have their contracts for whatever movie, it's included in there. Look, you might be if you have if there's a kissing scene. You have to agree that yeah, there's a risk that you might catch something from this dirty-lipped freak oh, that you're God. kissing. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's this, is, and I don't, I don't know if inter, if if American <laughs> Idol people have to, you know, sign the herpes clause or oh, whatever. Wow, but uh, it always comes back around to herp, mm. the herp. Perfect. So uh, I don't know. There is an entertainment element to this, but let's let's not waste as much time on this as uh, I'm sure everyone is super thrilled that we're doing. I know. Let's move on. Thank you, Ben, for the call. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on to the next to the next voicemail. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. This is the classy laid from Buffalo, Laura. Um, I'm just calling to thank you guys for answering my question and talking about the Red Pill documentary and give you some of my thoughts on the whole thing. So I did sit through the whole documentary and I do think that you should try um, only because... I feel like I always need to be armed to argue with people like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, I spend a lot of my time around staunch Republicans. Uh, The restaurant that I work at is owned by a guy who basically just regurgitates things that he hears on Fox News. And so I always have really great arguments for him. And that's why I'm constantly looking for things from the other side so I can really be prepared when these people say something really fucking stupid. Um, Like the other day, my boss was saying how the kids from the Parkland shooting were stupid because they were throwing the American flag on the ground. I don't even know if that's true, to be honest, but... I looked at him and I said, don't you think it's a little ridiculous that you are more upset about someone throwing a piece of cloth on the ground than you are about 17 children being brutally murdered? And he just got all mad and said I wasn't listening to him and walked away from me because he didn't have anything to say. Um, I kind of feel like it's the same thing with these MRA type people. You know, what I really got out of the documentary was that you know, these men are, are trying to say that, you know, they're just as oppressed as some of these other groups. But what I don't understand is it feels like they've oppressed themselves. Does that make sense? Um, because, you know, our world is the way it is because of the patriarchy and because of men that have pushed other groups down and including women and you know people of color you know that's why women get more in the judicial system when it comes to their children that's why men are you know working these trade jobs and women were stuck in the home taking care of kids because our society is a patriarchal society so this is what happens I don't know why they're so surprised Anyway, this is about to be three minutes. I don't want it to be longer. I know that really annoys you, Jesse. I love you guys. Thank you so much. And you're going to have some Western New York bourbon coming your way soon. Bye. Wow. <laughs> Ooh. Western New York bourbon. Yes. I don't, we don't even need to address the, the content of the call because now I'm all a flitter, <laughs> a flutter. Your cold is. With thoughts of, of, of Western New York bourbon. Um, she's exactly right. Think, think about that. All of the different points in the red pill that they talk about, like male suicide rates, 
Um, death on the job of dangerous jobs are primarily, largely, predominantly men. Uh, combat deaths, also men. Men don't shake, don't fare as well in family court as women. All of this can be attributed to policies derived and pushed through and voted on and conceived of by men. By men. Fucking for generations, it's only been men. There's the photo you showed me yesterday mm-hmm. of like 39 scientists and one black woman who all is obscured in the photograph, and she's not even listed as being there. Mm-hmm. And they, they tracked her down and found out who it was. But that was 1971, that photo. 1970s. Shit was bad news. So come the fuck on. It, it, quit acting like men have it bad because the society, the societal force. Men have it bad because men are in control and men are setting the rules that disadvantage them if they are at all at all disadvantaged in these particular aspects. Mm-hmm. The reason men die in combat and women don't largely historically is because men wouldn't allow women in the military and on the front lines. It's only been until recently in this century well, not, that that's been different. Not only that, but men still get pissed off. When women are able to achieve these positions yes. that typically haven't been available to them because they they pass the test. Right. These same idiots, these same MRA morons, 10 years ago would have been, no, women shouldn't be in combat. I don't want to be in a foxhole with a woman. What is she going to do if I get disabled? She's not going to be able to carry me to safety. Ugh. These are the same assholes. <laughs> they probably make that argument while being men's rights activists. Yeah. I don't know why you think they've like evolved. They in probably their also make that sound. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> it, it is very strange. It's they are complaining about the consequences of living in patriarchal societies. <laughs> yeah, that is that's really that's their that's their beef. Yeah, they so, they want to strike down the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> But they don't. It's very weird. It's it's this. I don't understand it. But um, she makes a good point about watching it to know so that you can be armed with information. But I just I don't have it in me uh, because time is like money. And I <laughs> I think to a degree it's correct. But you're not I'm not sitting down to watch flat earth documentaries. So I know how to combat their arguments. Yeah. I mean, listen, I tried and I really watched as much of it as I could and I, I get, I get it. You Listen, know, here's <laughs> I'd rather, all... I'd rather read an article that takes me like ten minutes that yes. really lays it out or something. Here's all you need to know about the Red Pill documentary. It is chock full of dudes who aren't getting laid and are bummed about it. Toothless fat guys who are not happy with their station in life. Boom. Oh. Inarguable. That is it. That is the sum and substance of what's going on. They're angry at the Lades because they're not getting any. 100%. Laura, thank you for the call and the impending bourbon. (laughs) We appreciate you guys so much. All right. Moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. 
Andrew. Andrew. Is our latest Patreon supporter. Thank you very much, Andrew. We appreciate it very much. And then uh, the man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm guessing that's not his given name. I'm. Who knows? You never know. Um, this this person upped their pledge. Up their pledge. Yes. That is fantastic. Very fantastic. We appreciate it very much, both of you. If you two, again, if you're not ready to do the Patreon thing, although we really, really wish you were, you can go to dollamore.info and buy some swag, as it were. And we're also now accepting uh, support of the show through cryptocurrency, uh, Ethereum and Dash and Litecoin and Bitcoin. All of that is on the website. Go on the left-hand side of the page. Support the show and support the show through crypto. Um, it has been long asked for, and now it is finally here. You can also buy crap on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. Every little bit of support goes a long way, including rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That is a big deal. That helps us out a lot. Trying to grow the audience, trying to more effectively move the conversation forward. We appreciate all of your support. Thanks a lot. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Donald Trump's problems with the porn stars and the ex-Playboy models is getting more and more aggressive. Yeah, this is just becoming so ridiculous. Well, here's the problem. Again, we, we talk about this a lot. The news cycle is so robust. It mm -hmm. is so frenetic that here we are. I was going to talk about just this the other day because it was just breaking news, a big deal, that now there are three separate lawsuits. Right. Lawsuits. Right. Compelling Donald Trump to testify, which will involve discovery, which will involve emails and communications and records. And, you know... The, it's a it's a fucking lawsuit. It's a big deal. Yeah, um, and it's not even the the big the big topic. It, it, well, yes, and <laughs> I read a Vox article yesterday that talked about the differences in coverage of these stories, particularly the Stormy Daniels one between MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. And the analysis that that person did um, illustrated that. Fox News is not covering the story. It's in graph form, and it is shocking. Yeah, they're basically hardly mentioning it compared to CNN and MS MSNBC. And someone noted that CNN and MSNBC could just be spending too much time on it. Uh, I don't believe that's the case. <laughs> um, but I think it's more important to note that Fox News is barely getting it in there, barely getting the coverage in. The only coverage that it's probably yeah. getting is like from Shepard Smith yeah, or yeah. Chris Wallace. And then every other program all day long is I wish, not talking about it. I wish they it. would have broken it down into what, hours right hours of the day they was talked about right so you know uh, it really makes you you open your eyes though to you wonder like president obama said that about people who watch fox are kind of on their own planet i want to address this so everyone uses this quote and that is not what he meant to say he was saying 
Everyone laughed when he said that, but he wasn't done talking. And his next thing was living on a different planet than someone who is getting their news from NPR. He's just meaning to say that the differences between people based on the information that they get. Right. That's what I'm getting ready to say. Right. But I'm I I'm just taking an opportunity to do oh. this because people use that line to say that he's insulting Fox News in particular. And I don't think that's the case. I think he was saying that to draw a distinction between how closed off people are yeah, from sure. other people and other information yeah. based on their news sources. Well, And that, and if, when you look at that graph, it's no wonder right. that you've got Fox News viewers who think all the liberals are just hysterical maniacs. Oh, yeah. That, that they, they really believe that nothing's going on because they don't hear about the story. And listen, I know people very well in my fucking family mm-hmm. who only watch Fox, maybe only TV that they ever watch is Fox News. Yeah. The TV's on all day and it's on Fox News. Yeah. So... If they're not, that's the only place they get their information. Right. And if they're not hearing it on Fox News, it's not happening. Yeah. They think that the Rus- Russia investigation is a witch hunt. Mm-hmm. They think there is nothing there. Right. It really is just a nothing burger. Donald Trump is a champion of a president who has turned the country around because they're listening to Fox News. They're not listening to all of the the separate uh information related to all of these coincidences, the hundreds of coincidences <laughs> surrounding the involvement of Donald Trump with Russia right. and Russia with Donald Trump in support of his candidacy. Right. They're not hearing that. So it is like being on a different planet because they're, it, it's a completely different set of, of, of facts, if you will, for them. Yeah. And then you wonder why we have the issues that we have when we try to have conversations. Yeah. <laughs> We're working from two completely different sides where, I mean, people have information and people don't necessarily have information. And I've I've been seeing comments of people reacting to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal and saying things like, well, at least he didn't bang him in the White House like Billy Boy. You know, it's still using these talking points. Yeah. It's so strange to me. It is unbelievable. And here is the latest... <laughs> on these lawsuits. All right, you're watching CNN. I'm Brooke Baldwin. Thanks for being with us. We have several breaking news stories. Uh, Let's start with these two, both involving allegations uh, with President Trump. First of all, you have this former Playboy model who allegedly had this nine-month affair with President Donald Trump. She is suing the company that kept her original account from publication. Uh, The New York Times is reporting that Karen McDougal is suing to be released from an agreement which has been keeping her silent all these years. Uh, The White House has said Trump denies the affair. In a separate development this afternoon, his legal team has just lost a bid to dismiss a defamation case. This case brought on by former Apprentice contestant Summer Zervos. Trump has also denied Zervos's accusations that the president sexually assaulted her in 2007. So with me now, CNN's Athena Jones, also national political reporter MJ Lee, and our attorney, Joey Jackson. So let's see, MJ, I'm starting with you. You are talking about uh, McDougal, this this Playboy Playmate case, which is very similar to the Stormy Daniels case, but the biggest difference is it was the National Enquirer that paid her all the money to 
what she wouldn't realize would be never tell her story. That's right. This is a woman who alleges that she had a nine-month affair with Donald Trump. And according to the New York Times, she is now suing uh, American Media uh, Inc., which owns the National Enquirer. And what she is claiming is that she was paid $150,000 at the time, but then the publication uh, did this thing that is referred to as catch and kill, where they take the story and then they never actually run the story. Now, the important thing to remember here, and this is the key thing, is that the purpose of all of this is that she wants to speak. Speaking out is what she wants to do, and that is the purpose of this lawsuit. It is not, uh, the focus right now isn't really about sort of the different allegations or the different stories or the different, uh, you know, narratives from back then. It is simply that she wants the ability to speak out. And she is saying the National Enquirer, uh, as a part of this agreement, is stopping her from speaking out about this alleged affair. Okay, catch and kill. We've been talking about this before in the news. It, you know, makes sense yeah. if, if somebody doesn't want a story out there. Uh, does she have a leg to stand on with this? She does. Uh, and, you know, look, every case, Brooke, turns on its facts, right? And so when you draft a complaint and you sue, there are a bunch of allegations. The issue were whether the allegations hold any water. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, before getting into whether she has a leg to stand on, we should note it's filed in California State Court, right? So comparable to the Stormy Daniels case, which we've talked about, uh, you know, will it be removed to federal court so that there are maneuvers there? But that's something to watch for. But on the merits of the case, yeah. she's alleging contractual claims that are problematic if true. Like what? Like she was fraudulently induced into this contract. When you look at contracts and when courts examine contractual language, you look, it's a court of equity. You want to make sure that both parties who enter into the contract, there's an offer, there's an acceptance, there's a meeting of the minds, the parties were evenly situated. And if you look at the complaint, they're alleging it ain't so. Mm -hmm. That in fact, she was told one thing. And in fact, there was a lawyer that was involved who was clandestinely working with Trump's people and misrepresenting issues to her. Not just any lawyer. That, that, right. Not just any lawyer. We know. Uh, I guess we'll get into that yeah. momentarily. But the issue is that, look, in the event your lawyer misrepresents items to you and you're not going to read the contract, that's why you hire a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And that's fraud. And so if she could establish fraud, that's one issue. The other issue they're alleging is illegality. If a contract is entered into and it's illegal, it's void. It holds no weight at all. And the void claim and the Ill illegal claim is that this was an in-kind campaign contribution to Trump to help his campaign. That's what this was all about. Good argument. And then the final argument, Brooke, centers about public policy. Contracts that are entered into that really are offensive to public policy because you're doing all these maneuvers behind the scenes and you're not really working for your client, but you're conflicted out courts don't like those either. So does she have a leg to stand on? <laughs> just, she could have two legs yeah, to stand you just laid on out several legs in the event, has. exactly, that okay. these facts, which will turn on if the facts are accurate. Okay. Uh, pause on that for a second. Let me pivot back over to you, because from uh, this Playboy Playmate to this apprentice contestant by the name of Summer Zervos, who, who maintained, and she was one of those Trump accusers that came out before the election, saying that he had tried to kiss her, uh, tried to, to, to grope her several different occasions. She's not, at, that's not the case she's fighting. It's actually the case that down the road, Trump called her a liar. And she's saying that's defamation. Absolutely. So there, there's a big difference here. Not, yeah. Number one, we're not talking about a consensual right. encounter. We're talking about her saying that he it was sexual misconduct. And he didn't, not down the road, he immediately refuted her, her allegations. She came out very soon after that Access Hollywood tape, tape came out, in which then candidate Trump was bragging about sexually assaulting women. She said, look, I, this, 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 uh, this case says she, she thought it was her ethical duty to, to inform voters, let people know about these allegations against, against the then candidate. So she came out. He 
immediately from immediately. starting that day in, in statements, in, twi- in, in, on, in tweets, at rallies, in, in, a CNN, in a debate on CNN, uh, push back against not just some reservos, but several other women who have accused him of similar misconduct, saying that they were all liars, that there was 100 percent fabrication. And at one point, he even retweeted a picture of Zervos. So this is a very specific uh, and very clearly understood uh, response to, to her claims. And she's saying, look, you have defamed me. You have caused me emotional and financial distress by calling me a liar. And so she pushed to make, make allow this case to go forward. They, they brought the suit. It's now allowed to go forward. The president has 10 days to respond to this ruling. Uh, and, and so we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, this is a case of the president who could be deposed. He could be he could have to, test, to testify in this case. The, the lawyer all read some reservists attorney. They already uh, asked, subpoenaed the Trump campaign for documents related to all the communications from him with him about her. And so a lot could come up about, you know, his 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 past sexual history in this okay. case. So the judge says it's OK. Bring it on. He has 10 days. What should one expect? Uh, well, well, let's go back to what we talked about before. One will expect legal maneuvering. Will this case stay in the state of California? It may not. They're predicating jurisdiction by saying, look, if you do business in California, you're subject to suit in California. That's rational. It's logical. But there's also this other thing called diversity jurisdiction. And if one party's in one state and another's in another state, you could bring it to Federal court and federal court is largely where I think they'll want to have this fight, uh, you know, held Which is if the fight is held at all. Stormy Daniels case, exactly, Ron. involving that same lawyer uh, that, that same we lawyer. talked about. Could I, could I just- so there's been a lot of attention on Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, and less so on Summer Zervos. Right, I think from my perspective. Yeah, I think so too. And her case is actually more interesting given the ruling that the judge just made because Donald Trump tried to argue that a state court has no jurisdiction over a sitting president. And so this defamation lawsuit that Summer Zervos is bringing should just be, you know, tossed out. And well, they said no. They said... Yeah, yeah. and the judge in that case cited um, a United States Supreme Court ruling that allowed Paula Jones to bring a sexual harassment suit against President Bill Clinton. That's right. And she wrote, quote, no one is above the law. It is settled that the president of the United States has no immunity and is subject to the laws for purely private acts. That is correct. Yeah. So and that's what's going to be held going forward mm -hmm. because of that precedent set during the Bill Clinton case because Bill Clinton tried to get out of it, too. He (laughs) tried to say, I'm president. I can't be taken to court. And they ruled. Yeah, well. Sorry, you fucking predator. That's not the case. Yeah. So like they said in the clip, basically, this decision is going to allow the attorneys for Summer Zervos to seek depositions from several women who have accused Donald Trump of sexual harassment before he was elected, and also to subpoena Trump campaign records related to his female accusers. Right. So it's on. That, and listen, that's where this is going to get interesting. You know, the salacious details are one thing. They're, you know, they're interesting. But the real juice is going to be all the documents that they get through discovery. All of the information that's received and revealed related to payoffs and how they've talked about these women and communicated about these women, tried to silence these women, all of that, trying to force these women... um, 
to not have due process ultimately. Yeah. Well, and Summer Zervos, again, she's bringing the defamation lawsuit because throughout the campaign, Donald Trump called her accusations total lies, made up nonsense to steal the election, blah, blah, blah. Defamation. And Donald Trump's lawyer, Mark Kasowitz, tried to argue that those comments (laughs) actually amount to political speech uh, uh, protected under the First Amendment um, and that she was not held up to the level of ridicule um, that would be necessary for a defamation case. So Donald Trump, who wants to tighten our libel laws, mm-hmm. <laughs> just not for him. He's able to slander and libel people mm-hmm. left and right. No, that's political speech. <laughs> but if anybody else does something that he doesn't like, says something that he doesn't like about him... Then, oh, no, we need to tighten up the libel laws in this country. Yeah. Fucking hypocrite. Well, the judge disagreed, so we're good. good. (laughs) Rational, clear-thinking human being. (laughs) So let's move on. I bet he's going to say, she's a woman. She can't effectively (laughs) judge this case. Right. I need a man judge. She's biased. Yeah, we need a male judge. Is she Mexican, too? That's a double whammy for Donald Trump. (laughs) I don't know. So... Um, let's move on. There's been a lot of talk about Cambridge Analytica, mm. and I want to talk about it a little bit. We've got a, a couple of clips that kind of set it up, and they've been banned from Facebook. I want to talk about the company, which is owned by Robert Mercer and his daughter, Rebecca Mercer, who are pernicious white nationalists, fucking racists, who've been bankrolling Milo Yiannopoulos and his trying to ferry in um, white supremacist, white nationalist messaging into... Um, the mainstream at their bankroll being paid and supported by them until it was revealed by BuzzFeed. But uh, this, this story is another completely separate, insane thing that Donald Trump is involved in that's not going away. New trouble for Facebook this morning. A political consulting firm with ties to the Trump campaign, Cambridge Analytica, accessing personal information for up to 50 million Facebook users here in the United States. And now this morning, the chief executive from that company caught on camera, apparently admitting they target candidates with dirty tricks. You'll hear what he says in that video. Our chief justice correspondent, Pierre Thomas, has more on that for us. Good morning, Pierre. David, good morning. That's right. It's a scandal raising concerns about the privacy of millions of Americans using social media. And members of Congress want to know if Russia took advantage. This morning, a growing scandal surrounding how the personal information of up to 50 million Facebook users has been secretly obtained and shared without their consent. Today in the United States, we have somewhere close to four or 5,000 data points on every individual. Alexander Nix, one of the founders of Cambridge Analytica, a political data company with ties to the Trump campaign, touting his research in helping President Trump win in the 2016 election. We were able to use data to identify that there was very large quantities of persuadable voters there that could be influenced to vote for the Trump campaign. A company allegedly engaged in information warfare with financing secured by Trump's senior campaign advisor, Steve Bannon. Now new video of Nick's caught in a sting conducted by Britain's Channel 4. They will offer um, a large amount of money to, to the candidates. Allegedly telling undercover reporters about what he appears to say is the company's practice of using bribes and sex with attractive women to discredit their clients' rival candidates. 
tents and girls around to the candidate's house. Yeah, yes. yeah. bring some Ukrainians in on okay. holiday with us. I'm just giving you examples of what can happen, what can be done, and what what has been done. After the Channel Four story broke, Nix released a statement saying he was just playing along but that he had no intentions of breaking any laws. This after Facebook last weekend banned Cambridge Analytica from using any of its material following reports that the company improperly received data. Christopher Wally was an early employee of Cambridge Analytica. He left in 2014, but told ABC News that the company planned to amass mountains of information on Americans. We would ask people to fill out psychological surveys. That app would then harvest their data from Facebook, and then that app would crawl through their friend network and pull all of the data from their friends also. Cambridge Analytica acknowledges the information was improperly provided to them by a third party but says it was never used and deleted as soon as they learned it was a problem. The company is blaming this man, Alexander Kogan, a researcher hired as a contractor, described by a former colleague as Russian-American. I think that it's really concerning that the head psychologist that we were using, Alexander Kogan, um, was working on a Russian-funded project in Russia on psychological profiling of people. ABC News has been unable to reach Kogan. Congressional investigators tell me they want to know about those ties to Russia. Special counsel Bob Mueller is likely to have high interest as well, David. All right, Pierre Thomas, we know you'll stay on this for us. Thank you, Pierre. How many different points of connection to Russia does Donald Trump have? <laughs> this Cambridge Analytica case, this is a guy, he was just a, a Ph.D., either student or PhD at Cambridge University, and they're using um, psychographic data, which doesn't talk about your buying habits. It talks about whether you're like neurotic or paranoid. What kind of information is going to sway you? What kind of information relative to political ads and information, propaganda, if you will, is going to affect you and in what way are you going to be more prone to to uh movement on an issue because of fear like the threat of invasion from a from terrorists across the southern border or are you some other kind of personality this kind of data doesn't change this is you're if you're neurotic you're neurotic well well so yeah, so they use the personal data to create psychographic profiles of people. Uh, hang and, on a minute. I wanted to also say this again. They mentioned it, but Alexander Kogan is a rush. He's has a very close relationship to Russia. He's a Russian American, but he spent a lot of time in Saint Petersburg lecturing and working with Russian officials on this particular type of uh, uh, study. So they used that personal data from Facebook to create the psychographic profiles. That's right. Which means that basically there was this app and you had to agree. To, there was some sort of agreement where, where it said this is going to be for research purposes or whatever. And you're going right. to give up some of your data and you had to agree to that. So 
people did, and then they took information about your likes and things like that, what you and liked on Facebook. Friends. Yeah, and so then they were able to kind of create these profiles of what your attitudes might be, what your values might be, and that's that's what they used then to make those decisions which was that you're talking about. Which was supposed to be used for research purposes only, and this guy fucking lied. Like when when you did your your research, and you had your survey out there, mm-hmm. you have to be honest with the person taking it. There's an entire like disclaimer, informed consent, right? So it's it's it, you can't say it's for one thing and then use it for another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is balls deep in Russia. <laughs> He's all over the Russian map. Yeah. So you just it's it's getting ridiculous to this point that so many elements of this are now they were hiring this company mm-hmm. to do work for them and they have a Russian connection too. This Alexander Kogan talked to Anderson Cooper and uh I don't believe a word he fucking says. When you were offering your data to Cambridge Analytica you knew who Cambridge Analytica, I mean, you knew what they, did you know what they were going to do with it? Did you know what their interest was? Um, no, I mean, the, that's the thing. I was pretty heavily siloed as far as anything, as far as funders or clients. I found out about Donald Trump just like everybody else through the news. I found so, out. But I don't understand. So how did you get involved with Cambridge? I mean, you have all this data. They just come to you and say, oh, we'd like to buy your data. And you're like, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, no. So they initially approached me uh, to do some consulting work for them, uh, mostly on surveys. And then this project was born uh, to collect new data. And so, uh, and they guided us through it. They said, like, uh, you know, I was an academic. Uh, I didn't know anything about starting a company. Uh, Chris said, like, go start a company. He told me how to do it. He explained, well, here's the terms of service that we need to put into this app. Um, it basically assured all of us that, hey, this is commonplace and best practice. Did they tell you what they were going to do with their data? No. I knew, I knew it was for political uh, consulting, but beyond that, no idea. So, but you knew it would be used to maybe target voters or find out information about voters. Even that, I don't think I knew. I mean, it's been four years, so like, apologies if I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but my recollection is no. I mean, the, we knew they wanted to use it for political, political purposes, but there was a lot of ambiguity of what that meant. So, I mean, what did political purposes mean to you? It could mean a lot of things. I mean, the actual use case for this data, I already told you that it's just not that accurate at the individual level, is aggregate. When you look at groups, if you want to understand, hey, what's the personality of New Yorkers, it's actually pretty good. If you want to look at, you know, Anderson Cooper, it's not great. Um, That would have been a really great use case, I think. But that seems like a hard sell. I mean, if you're selling your product to Cambridge Analytica, I can't imagine you're saying to them, this data is actually really not very good and not very useful. Uh, look, I mean, there wasn't much selling. I mean, they requested we do the project. Um, we tried to be as transparent and honest as we could. Um, and we told them, I mean, everything we showed them was, here's the best understanding of the science at the time. So just to be clear, uh, I mean, as far as you know, were there any illicit activities, anything untoward that transpired between Cambridge Analytica and the Trump campaign concerning the 2016 election? Uh, no, I don't even know if they actually worked for Trump or used the data. So that was kind of weird to me. Anderson caught him in that trap, and then he said, well, they requested this. Yeah. But but in the beginning, he said he didn't know what it would be used for. Yeah. So 
I'm kind of confused. Well, he's a liar. Did you not know what the, they requested something of you, but they didn't tell you? Well, he was siloed off. He, uh, I don't know. What do I know? I'm just the high level researcher mm-hmm. who's been brought on. Mm-hmm. I was there as a volunteer. I don't. I, uh, it, it, it's bullshit. Yeah. So <laughs> all these people are in hot water, including Facebook, because. Facebook has known about this and they did not tell people that this happened. And they're trying to say things like, listen, when we realized that he used this for unauthorized purposes, we asked him to delete the data. And we we asked some company to certify that this had been done. And they, I don't know what happened with that. Uh, (laughs) But there's just failures at every turn. And I think that this story is causing alarm. Obviously, there was delete your Facebook or delete my Facebook hashtag trending on Twitter. And people take personality quizzes and say, yes, here, take my data. You know, that's that's what people do all day long. And... I realize this guy shouldn't have lied and misrepresented how he was going to be using the data. Um, also, he certified that he deleted everything. Yes. And lied about that. Right. So he's lying at every turn. Maybe this will cause people to be a little bit more protective of their information. Don't worry about what Harry Potter character you are. Now, that that wasn't specifically what he used in this. He did like a legitimate personality test. Yeah, but apparently all those apps take your data. That is exactly right. Yeah. No one's creating that, that you log in and give them access to your stuff because they really found a way to figure out which Harry Potter character you are. Mm -hmm. But let's look at this. This company is owned by the Mercers. Who again are it's a billionaire family, white supremacist family. Steve Bannon is a vice president with Cambridge Analytica at this point. Mm-hmm. Corey Lewandowski in 2014, before Donald Trump had even declared he was running for president, was snooping around, had dealings with Cambridge Analytica. Right. All of these characters who ended up coming into focus in the Trump campaign. We're working with Cambridge Analytica. It doesn't smell right. There's more that's going to be coming out about this story. And because there's more, it would follow that it's difficult to really understand the impact and the damage that's been done relative to the information that they took and used for other than above-board political purposes. New developments tonight on Cambridge Analytica, the firm that worked for the Trump campaign and tried to influence American voters using information harvested from 50 million Facebook users. CEO Alexander Nix was suspended today following undercover reports from Channel 4 News in the UK showing him bragging about the firm's work on the Trump campaign. Kylie Morris, Washington correspondent for ITN uh, Channel for news. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Kylie. I really appreciate it. Um, Cambridge Analytica responded to the new undercover recordings released today, and they say that they uh, never claimed it won the election for President Trump and and that they've spoken publicly about their contribution to the campaign. They're proud of the work that they did. What do you say to that? 
Well, they're sending quite contradictory messages. I mean, it's important to note, as you say, that Alexander Nix has now been suspended because they say he wasn't representing the company in the way that they wanted that company to be represented. But I think, you know, if if we judge him by his own commentary, he is very keen to you know, boast about the role that they played and the kinds of tactics that they were prepared to employ. You know, they talk about, or one of his colleagues talked to us about you know, putting uh, it, material out on the internet and kind of pushing it into the bloodstream of the internet and in a way that it was completely untrackable and untraceable. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, this was in the, in the context of a sales pitch, our undercover um, operators, our journalists, went in uh, describing themselves as kind of political consultants, uh, working for a wealthy Sri Lankan family, looking for assistance in trying to make sure that the right candidates won races in the upcoming Sri Lankan elections. Uh, so it was in that context, but they certainly didn't hold back when it came to describing their own role. Well, Kylie, at one point, one of the executives talked about how the company's research allowed uh, Donald Trump to win by a narrow margin in key states to ultimately win the Electoral College, despite losing the popular vote. How much of what we heard is Cambridge Analytica bragging to get a new client? I mean, this is a sales meeting. It is. They're exaggerating, as companies sometimes do, uh, in a pitch, maybe. That's possible. It's very difficult for us to know at this stage exactly what Cambridge Analytica did. We knew that within the digital team, certainly in the last months before the election, Brad Pascal, who was the head of the Trump digital team then, you know, decided to try and do a lot of kind of Facebook advertising. We understand that some of the micro-targeting, you know, exactly where those ads were sent out to, part of that was based on the kind of data analytical work that uh, Cambridge Analytica does. So certainly they were there. I mean, they were the data analytics company, you know, at the heart of the Trump campaign. And that is undeniable. I think there is now a debate, though, obviously, between people who are trying to distance themselves from the commentary of Alexander Nix saying, well, we didn't use it very much or the psychographic stuff wasn't very interesting. It proved fruitless for us. But the reality is they did play that role. They were brought in as consultants. Steve Bannon had been a vice president of the company. So there are very close connections and links between, you know, the, the very top level of the Trump campaign and this company. He is laughing at the House investigation and how little, he says, Republicans wanted to investigate. That's right. And he goes on to say, look, can you make sure, speaking to the clients, the prospective clients, saying, can you make sure that we, you know, try and um, organize a secret email, you know, using Proton Mail, which is a, a, an email that he said he could set to self-destruct within two hours. So there was no record. He also talked about not recognizing the jurisdiction of the House Committee when it came to their dealings with foreign clients and saying he would never tell them anything about the foreign business that he'd been doing because it was none of the committee's business. So certainly very disparaging. When we spoke to the senior Democratic members of the House committee today, they are, as you would expect, you know, very keen now to bring Alexander Nix back to face more questions. Uh, Kylie Morris, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. So what, what Channel 4 in Great Britain, what they uncovered here is this Cambridge Analytica. They, really, there are two facets to this that neither one smells good. One is this data misuse, mm-hmm. and the other is this fucking dirty tricks thing, mm-hmm. framing people for sexual misconduct or tempting them into 
you know, uh, sex sex capades with Ukrainian <laughs> sex workers. Mm-hmm. This is not good, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, th- this is a company that Donald Trump is in bed with, and this is what they do. Globally, this is what they do. It's pretty alarming. Uh, there are going to be investigations. I'm sure that Great Britain is is ramping up to have uh parliamentary in- inquiries to this you know the the equivalent of uh of congressional um testimony yeah again they've already had this guy testify he's going to come back i'm sure the us is going to want him in there mm-hmm. this especially after the midterms the republicans aren't going to fucking do anything because they're cowards and they're in power and they're trying to protect that power but we get a democratic majority in either the house or the senate and this is it's going to be a different story we're going to get the deets and it's not going to be good for Donald Trump because he's involved in this. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, we are going to push until next time, and that is Donald Trump congratulating Vladimir Putin after having been implicitly, explicitly, after having been explicitly told, do not congratulate him. <laughs> And uh, the evidence of widespread voter fraud in Russia. Video yeah. of stacks of ballots being taken from out under cupboards and then put into the into the, the ballot box. Also, all the photos of the same people voting. Yeah, people voting multiple <laughs> times. And Donald Trump congratulates this fucking goo. Yeah. Also, it it broke today that John Dowd, uh, the lead attorney for Donald he Trump, resigned. Quit. Yeah. And he quit because Donald Trump is an unmanageable client. Yeah. He won't follow his advice because Donald Trump is now choosing lawyers that tell him what he wants to hear and are just as unstable as he is. Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, it was just announced this morning. Donald Trump hired a new lawyer. And here's a statement from him. Donald Trump, baby! (laughs) Basically. I mean, yeah. So anyway, we're going to end the show. We do want to talk very briefly about this Austin bombing. I don't know if we're going to get into detail about it uh, next episode or not. We'll see what kind of develops from it. But people have been killed in the wake of this. And I've also been seeing a lot of people who I would I would label as racist who are saying that, well, CNN, they're only showing the pictures. Uh, they're not showing the other victims, only the black guys, because they're trying to race bait. Because there's a graphic out there that CNN put out of the of the points on the map, and the, the, the only two photos on the map are black Americans who were killed. Mm-hmm. And that's because they were fucking killed. They're the two that were killed mm-hmm. by this little right-wing Christian nutbag. Mm-hmm. This little jerk off, Condit, who was spreading terror across Texas, FedEx facilities, specifically targeting prominent black families in Austin, in their communities, having killed two. Yeah, so we we just want to talk about the two people um, because I think it's important to give them some recognition um, and talk about that loss of life. So Anthony house 
was a 39-year-old finance professional, and he was helping his eight-year-old daughter get ready for school when he picked up a package left on the front porch. And he was a very successful business person who lived for his daughter, really wanted her to be a leader and be educated. That's what his family has said, that his whole focus was on running his own business, which he had his own um, money management firm Mm -hmm. and um, raising her. And then there was Draylen Mason, who was a 17-year-old. And he was a promising classical musician who planned to enroll at the University of Texas's competitive Butler School of Music in the fall. And he woke up early to go to the gym with his mother and was killed when the package exploded in their kitchen. Um, so I, I think this has been difficult for everyone to uh, see happening and especially for the people that we're living in Texas and um, are are living in Texas. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can't imagine what it must have been like for these families to know that there's someone who is targeting them and that they needed to be careful of packages that were on their front porch and that these two people and these two families are impacted by this forever. Um, so... I only hope that uh, authorities are able to get to the bottom more quickly than, let's say, they're doing it in the Stephen Paddock case, the Las Vegas shooter. We still don't have any fucking idea about that. But I'd like to know what the motive was here. We know that the family was hyper-religious. They homeschooled their kid. So he's a right-wing Christian extremist who took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Well, and he blew himself up. So they, the cops were on to him. They were trying to get him out of the car and he blew himself up in, in his car. And apparently they have recovered a 25 minute admission that yeah. he recorded before he uh, blew himself up. So I, I hopefully we'll be hearing what's yeah. on that. Um, but people have tracked down his blog that he wrote when he was... I was looking at it this morning. In the Austin Community College, and he took a political science class, and he had to write um, political opinions. And so that's how people know he is conservative. Um, He, he, I read the thing about uh, making gay marriage illegal, mm -hmm. and he, again, he uses the same tired, ridiculous, illogical, stupid arguments about comparing uh, homosexuality to bestiality. I mean, he's just a fucking moron. Mm -hmm. So... He didn't have like, oh wow, that's next level thinking. He's oh, just no. a fucking jackass. Mm-hmm. So anyway, on that note, anything else, Brittany Page? I don't think so. All right. Well, we are going to leave you there. Listen, we would love to have you support the show. We would love to have you help us move the conversation forward. Join the Patreon family. Take part in our monthly hangout calls, our Google Hangout calls, which will be this coming weekend. Isn't that correct? The 30th and the 31st. All right. So the following. We would love to have you take part in that with us. We also do the live streams on YouTube every Sunday. Get your hands on some stickers. There's all kinds of perks uh, involved in the Patreon thing. And we'd love to have you be a part. Uh, Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. 
just go to the website, dollamore.com, on the left-hand side of the page. There's links there. Support the show. There's there's different ways to do it. Also, you can rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Until next time, we will be here. You will be there. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I got John Mayer penis on my cheek. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's still a problem. For me.